It's wonderful to be with you all this morning once again. And I always love worshiping here at Church of the Lamb. And one of the nice things about being the visiting preacher person is you get to pick uh, some of your favorite passages and, and work those. And so that is what I get to do today. Um, as we read that passage from Isaiah, I hope that you felt your heart rise with faith at the goodness of what Isaiah was seeing and saying would come, that the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And it's things like, um, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. So we see that get set up in Isaiah, and then we come to our gospel passage where we see Zacchaeus meet Jesus, and it kind of is like a significant taste of that, right? I mean, here's a guy who is darkness. Here is a guy who dwells in darkness. Here's a guy whose heart, though we can't see into it, must be swirling deep darkness. And we'll see that as we go into the passage of I, in, in, in Luke's Gospel. But by the end of the story, we see this transformation and we see this man who walked in darkness walking in the light and rejoicing and free. And whatever was deeply broken in him, we see it healed just through this encounter with Jesus, through his response to Jesus, through the beauty and power of Jesus. So as we come to our Gospel reading, if you have a Bible, it's Luke chapter 19, verses 1-10. through 10. We come to this very familiar story. If you grew up anywhere near the church, you've heard the story of Zacchaeus, especially if you went to Sunday school. It's a favorite. It's interesting, it's only in Luke's Gospel. Uh, it's only included there. And Luke has this preoccupation with seeing the grace of God go everywhere, not just to Israel, but to the whole world. And so he, he pulls out in his narrative, he, he draws in stories like the prodigal son, which is also only in his gospel, where, where he's answering this question, how far can this light shine? How deep of darkness can this, this light go? And how bad is bad enough to where Jesus just can't get to you. And so we get stories like the prodigal son and like Zacchaeus, where Luke is, I think you, you, know, you could almost probably see the veins in his head sticking out as he's urging you and, and urging us. There's no one Jesus can't reach. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter what you've been up to. Up to the point of meeting Jesus, Jesus can lay hold of anyone. So as we go through this passage, I, I hope we can think about this with a couple of different tracks running. One is for yourself or your spouse or one of your kids. If you've got children that are growing and they're not necessarily choosing the path, then you've got to take the long road with them and you're discouraged. So one is for your own personal edification, but the other one, especially as Church of the Lamb is pivoting um, with this gift of this land and all this talk and prayer and investment that's going into building a place that the whole community can come and enjoy. I hope that you also listen with the eyes of your neighbors. Who among your neighbors can Jesus not reach? And does Jesus want to reach them? 
And might He use you? Might He use Church of the Lamb? Might He use your small group to be the way that, that more people come from darkness to light? So let's think about that with those two, hopefully, um, avenues open for the Holy Spirit to come and minister God's Word to our hearts and to our minds and to our relationships and our behaviors. A lot of children can relate easily to Zacchaeus, right? Because Zacchaeus was short. And if you're short in a crowd, it's frustrating. Um, You can't see what's happening above the waistline of the person in front of you, right? So there might be something happening. Maybe it's a concert. Maybe it's a church service. Maybe it's just a a party at the house. And you you hear someone tell a joke and a bunch of people laughing and you can kind of tell that there were funny gestures or something, but you can't see what's going on. Zacchaeus is like that. But I think as adults we can relate to that too because Zacchaeus wants to get closer to Jesus. He wants to see Him, but he can't get close enough. And I think maybe for us, we find it embarrassing to get so close to Jesus. Or maybe we think it's potentially too costly to get too close to Jesus. And so before we look at kind of why is this story in here and what does it carry for us in itself, I want us to spend a little bit of time in these Scriptures, in Luke's narrative, looking at a couple of things first. Um, The placement of Zacchaeus' story, the placement of it in Luke's narrative, and also the shocking nature of it. Um, Before we just get into application or looking specifically at these ten verses. So first, the placement of Zacchaeus. The story of Zacchaeus occurs, if you notice, if you just look back a little bit um, in Luke's Gospel, the previous encounter is between Jesus and a rich young ruler. And like Zacchaeus, the rich young ruler has this one-on-one meeting with Jesus. And they talk about the kingdom and they talk about what Jesus expects of him and how one can access the grace of God through Jesus and through life. But that rich young ruler goes away from that meeting sad. He doesn't go away joyful. He doesn't go away free. He goes away with whatever darkness he had coming into the meeting still there. That's probably why he was sad. Like he got close to the light, but he wasn't ready to just open himself up to it and yield to it. And so he tasted it, but then he went back and went back to the way he was before. And we don't know the end of that guy's story. I think maybe he ends up getting converted later, but not in that first encounter. He goes away sad um, because Jesus touched on a nerve at the heart of that young man and his identity that the man wasn't ready to negotiate. So that's one way that we can see how this is placed. Zacchaeus gives us another rich man who encounters Jesus with a very different ending. And I think that suggests to you and me What does Jesus want from me? Is this just something that's going to happen by osmosis? Can I be passive? Can I hold on to all the things I love and hold dear? Can I hold on to my idols and still get what Jesus is offering? And I think the pairing of these two stories suggests to us, no, there's a way to respond to Jesus in in order to have this light break all the way down into your heart. There's another way that Luke's Gospel is arranged that makes the placement of Zacchaeus really crucial. And that's that Luke is not just teaching Israelites or a specific group of people. Luke is concerned that the whole world 
um, hear about Jesus and respond to him, hopefully the way that Zacchaeus does. So if you remember all the way back at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, there's the census that's being taken by Caesar, the king of the world, that the whole world should be counted, right? So there's this global language. When the angels come to the shepherds, they're talking about this good news of great joy that's for all the people, right? Peace on earth with whom God is well pleased. Not just a specific group of people. So Luke is carrying with him the whole world when he opens up his Gospel. And then as Luke's Gospel unfolds, it tightens. It's like a camera lens angle that, that goes starting from the whole world and it just gets narrower and narrower as Jesus approaches Jerusalem for this really important week of His life, the last week of His life. And, the, and it just tightens and slows down as Jesus goes through His activity in Jerusalem. And then in the book of Acts, it starts there, right? It starts in the second, it's like the sequel to Luke. Um, or this, yeah, the sequel to the Gospel, Luke writes. It starts in Jerusalem, and then in 1.8 we see that, that it's going to go from Jerusalem to Samaria and Judea and to all the ends of the earth. And that's how the, the narrative of the book of Acts is organized. It starts in, a, in small and then it opens back up. So it's almost like a sideways hourglass. Starts with the world, funnels into Jerusalem, gets slow and tight, and then it opens back up as the gospel by the Holy Spirit explodes across the whole world and goes through cultural and socioeconomic barriers and Jesus is proclaimed as Isaiah prophesied. So if the first, if the first aspect of the placement of this narrative answers the question, is there a way that I should be concerned about responding to Jesus? Zacchaeus next to the rich young ruler would say to you, yes, there's a way to respond to Jesus. And then as we think about this second aspect, and if Luke's gospel really is starting with the world and going into Jerusalem and then going back out into the whole world, this is a crescendo of everything that's happened before. This is the last like, significant narrative before Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And it and it ends with that, that phrase that Kevin started with, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So at the end of Luke's ramping up of his Gospel, we get this story of Zacchaeus where Jesus expresses His love and shares the love and light of God with this broken man. And this man is saved and Jesus underscores it with that phrase, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, which kind of answers the question, who can be included in this? If we haven't gotten it yet in the Gospel of Luke, here we go with Zacchaeus. I hope that's encouraging for you and also helps you think about your children or your spouse or your neighbors, that God is coming after all of us and there's no one who is out of His reach. Secondly, in addition to placement, let's just take a couple of minutes and think about this alarming nature of the story. This whiplash scandal of the story about Zacchaeus. First of all, he's identified as a tax collector. If you heard that word in the Jewish community in Jesus' day, it would make you just, it would turn your stomachs in knots. 
this is not a good person for you, for your family, for your community. Tax collectors weren't good people. He's a Jewish national, so Zacchaeus is one of us. He's a fellow countryman, but he's wringing taxes from you, from us, from your children, from your community, from your neighbors, to give to the Roman Empire. So his, his vocation intrinsically is to get taxes from you to give to the nation that has you and your family and your community in a chokehold. So he's strengthening that. He's strengthening the occupying enemy's grip on his own people's collective throat. That's Zacchaeus. But he's not just a tax collector. He's not like a chump tax collector. He's really good at it. He's a chief tax collector. That's the only time in the Bible that that word is used, a chief tax collector. Isn't that interesting? I was surprised when I saw that. Tax collector occurs all kinds of ways, but not chief tax collector. So Luke is underscoring just how bad this guy is. If you think about like Amway or um, all the people that send you stuff on Facebook to buy their creams or whatever. And like if, if you buy their creams and, and start selling creams, um, then you get some money and then they get money off of you. That's Zacchaeus, but with tax collecting, not good things like cream. So he's getting paid for his own extortion, but he's also getting paid by all the minions. He's getting paid off the top of all the people that are working for him as a chief tax collector. And then Luke goes even further, just in case we're missing it, to say, and he's rich. So it's like, if you're spitting at the word tax collector, by now you're just like, man, this dude, get rid of him. Like, no one here would like him. He's getting kickbacks and rounding up in the conduct of his own efforts, and Rome is so happy with him, and he's done so well that he's been elevated to this special position. He's greasy, and he's smart, and he's tough, and he's fully committed to this treacherous vocation. That's his identity. That's who this man is. Jesus, by now in his ministry, and as you just skim through the Gospels, you'll see numerous times where Jesus interacts with tax collectors. And on the outside, the greed and the graft and the scheming and the stealing is obvious. It's intrinsic to the vocation. Their livelihood depends upon their determination to oppress people. As Zacchaeus enters this crowd, you've got to wonder, what is he doing here? Like, what in his mind made it so important for him, of all people, to get into the middle of this crowd? What drove him to do that? I mean, they didn't have YouTube back then, so he couldn't just like watch the video of Jesus later. If he wanted to encounter Jesus, he had to be there in person, which means he has to come into the middle of all these people who know exactly who he is. And he's not disguised. He's wearing nicer clothes than any of us have on. He's got servants, maybe around him. An entourage, maybe his bodyguards. He would need them. He, in that group of people that he for some reason chose to enter into, he alone, of all the people that are there, he's the only one who doesn't build anything. Of all of his neighbors, he doesn't own a business, he doesn't plant anything. 
of all the people that are in the crowd that are in agriculture. He creates no beauty of all the people in the crowd that were in the arts. He doesn't defend any justice. He alone tends to nothing. He's the only person there that's not adding to the flourishing of his community. He's just skimming off the top of it and making it harder for all the people who build and plant and extend beauty and fight for justice and tend to things. He's making it harder for them to do those things. N.T. Wright uh, says it this way in, in thinking about like that moment where Zacchaeus emerges in this crowd and, and what, how the reception of this man would have been. He says, Nobody in Jericho liked Zacchaeus. They would have been horrified to think that of all the inhabitants of that town, he would be the one known by name to millions of people 2,000 years later. One can only imagine the reaction of neighbors and even of friends and relatives as Zacchaeus' house became more lavishly decorated, as more servants ran about at his bidding, as his clothes became finer and his food richer. Everyone knew that this was their money and that he had no right to it. Everyone knew that there was nothing they could do about it. So Zacchaeus chooses, in light of all of that, nevertheless, to go into this crowd. And he sees Jesus Unlike anyone else Zacchaeus had ever met or anyone we have ever known, Jesus looks with compassion through the thick display of wealth and power and entrenched willingness to oppress others. Jesus, this is so important, Jesus sees a sickness in Zacchaeus. He sees a sickness in Zacchaeus' heart that, that's at the headwaters of all this activity. And he knows, Jesus knows he's the only one who can cure it. And Jesus is determined to cure it. So Jesus doesn't just see the surface stuff that we would all see and hate for good reason. Jesus sees that, but he sees through it to something else. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus clearly wants to see Jesus. It could be that he's just curious, but I don't think that that's possible in light of the social risk that he's taking to do this. He intentionally braves this throng of people, all of whom hate him. He further shames himself by shimmying up a tree. This is a grown man. Like, he's been at this for a while, long enough to be a chief tax collector. So he didn't just graduate from like Jericho school for aspiring CPAs or something. Like, he didn't just get out of school and he's like, oh, it's a nice day, I'm going to climb a tree. Like, he's been at this long enough to where, I mean, I'm not going to climb a tree in front of any of you, right? I might climb a tree on vacation with my family and some really close friends that don't have their phones on them to take video of it. But Zacchaeus, in front of everybody, climbs up this tree. It's not just curiosity. He's not just out there to satisfy curiosity. So maybe, and I think maybe we can identify with this, 
maybe Zacchaeus has begun to recognize that he's hollowed out on the inside and that all that he's acquiring and all this outward success is only like turning itself toward him in mockery because he's not happy anymore. There's this law of diminishing returns. The more he gets, the more it reminds him by contrast that he's not happy. He's not okay with himself. When he's laying in his own bed with his own beautiful sheets and his servants bringing him grapes and feta cheese, like he's not happy. Instead of bringing comfort and security, that, that success is nagging him for the priorities and the, comp- and the compromises that it has cost him. So he's not merely curious. That would not make sense. Whether or not he's hit bottom, I don't know. But regardless of the level of his desperation, we can tell for certain that he is aching on some level with hope that Jesus can fill in what is lacking and he can fill in or he can heal what is diseased. So having thought through a little bit the placement of the story and the scandal of it, the whiplash scandal that Jesus, of all the people in Jericho, he isolates this person. Why is the story here? How can this story help us and help our community? Well, we remember from earlier in the story of Luke that Jesus brings glad tidings of great joy that's for all the people. And here, Zacchaeus is illustrating the gospel, the whole gospel, that anyone who believes in Jesus can avoid perishing and have life and life to the full. As Jesus encounters Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus responds to Jesus with faith and with an openness, as we see, Jesus replaces his heart with a new nucleus altogether. He himself comes to dwell in Zacchaeus. On Zacchaeus has shown a great light. He himself comes to dwell there and to radiate from inside of Zacchaeus and to animate his affections and to renew his priorities. The salvation for Zacchaeus is not just merely a transaction. Like, yeah, you've done some bad things. I'm going to justify you on the cross. It's a math problem. And as long as you get the geometry proof right, then you'll be fine. It's not, it's not just that, is it? It's this holistic, it is that, but it's also this holistic, comprehensive restoration and reclamation of Zacchaeus' heart. As we look at the new Zacchaeus, it's hard to think about an illustration, it's hard for me to think about an illustration better than Ebenezer Scrooge at the end of A Christmas Carol. Right? I mean, you get through this story and it's a difficult story to get through because it's sad and he's just stomping on people and he's oppressing people and he's wringing as much money from people as he can, much like a chief tax collector might. And he goes through this transformation at the end. If you get through the whole story, it's so worth it. I mean, I love that story. When he wakes up and he flings the, he's in his gown and he flings the windows open. I wish I could do it. I want to do it so badly, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but isn't it great? He's like asking the boy what day it is and why it's Christmas Day. Oh, and he gets the big turkey and he goes around and he makes, a, he's just like pouring out his wealth on people. 
because of this thing that's happened in his heart. He's full of joy at the end. He's full of life. He's full of love for God and people. So Zacchaeus is here at this critical juncture to give us everything that we need to understand the Gospel in real time, what God wants to do for you if you'll let Him in, what God wants to do for your family, what God wants to do for your community, and also to teach us what it takes for us to receive Him. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So a few thoughts in conclusion. One question is to say, are you still on the outside of this? Like you see the rich young ruler going away sad, and then you see Zacchaeus, another complete extreme, and, and I hope that the Scriptures are searching your heart to ask you, where are you on that continuum? Maybe you're not all the way to one or the other. Is there room for you to move toward this, this story of Zacchaeus? Is there a closet or a spare room or a cluttered up place in your life that God is knocking on and asking to come in and to set you free from? Is there a, a pocket of darkness, fear that could lead to greed, uh, fear that could lead to anger? Is there something that God in this moment is saying, let me in to that. Let's let the light shine into that deep darkness. Let's heal it. Maybe you're here out of curiosity. Maybe you're here out of a family obligation. You know, you're a teenager or you've just recently graduated or, or you're a spouse and your wife likes to come to this church or your husband likes to come to this church or whatever. You're here for some kind of familial or social pressure. Doing your time. And I'm not trying to manipulate you, but I think consider this. Consider what it would have cost Zacchaeus to close himself off to Jesus. He would have continued to get more and more rich where in fact he probably goes home from this, um, this meeting with Jesus after going and making it right with all these people and paying them back four times what he's stolen, he probably had to sell his house. He probably had to let some of his servants go. He probably had to cut back on the grapes and feta cheese budget. Whatever it was, he's living in opulence and now he's giving his stuff away, but what's he got? He's got this joy and this freedom and this community with his fellow people. All that wealth cost Zacchaeus everything. All that wealth was choking him to death. It wasn't just the wealth, it was the way his heart was turned toward it. Probably out of fear. What if I don't have enough? So maybe you're here and you're on the outside of this and Zacchaeus is pulling you closer in. Maybe you're here and you just need to be reminded. Maybe you just need to be reminded that this first encounter with Jesus did all those things. And that's basically my, that's my baseline. But, but we all wander and we all veer and we all, like a garden that gets overgrown with weeds, need to be tended. 
Like every good, healthy relationship still requires intentional maintenance in order to continue to flourish. Maybe Zacchaeus is just inviting you to renew that conversation with Jesus and to draw closer to Him and offer Him yourself afresh. To the degree that I know this for myself, to the degree that I brush Jesus from my calendar, in terms of those conversations, that prayer that David prayed, search me and know me and see if there be any hurtful ways in me and lead me in the everlasting way, as I brush Jesus from my calendar and brush Him from that conversation specifically, I'm brushing Him from my thoughts and I'm crimping His access to my affections. I just forget Him. I learn ways to function as generally a Christian person should, but it's not that intimacy and it's not that joy. So maybe Zacchaeus is inviting us to restore and renew um, that encounter with Jesus. As I've prayed for you and, and had some time with Kevin recently, um, driving back and forth to Richmond last week and hearing about the dreams and the exciting things that God is calling Church of the Lamb into. And this is the last Sunday for a dear family at Incarnation, the Zimmermans. Next week, I think they're going to be with you full time. And that pains me um, because we love the Zimmermans. You are getting such a gift in the Zimmermans. And, and that represents this push into beautifying the land that God has given you and extending the kingdom of God through that to so many people. And so a question that I've had as I prayed for you and think about this moment that you're in, is Zacchaeus maybe prompting you as a church, as a family, as an individual to plant more sycamore trees, to make it easier for people to see Jesus and to see this exciting stuff that's happening all around him. And it sounds like there are so many things in the works that will do just that. Thank you. So I encourage you to pray yourself, to talk as a family, to talk as small groups. If you have a, an idea for your small group, to share it. If you have an idea for the broader church, to talk to Kevin, Kelly, and the team about that. Jesus is actively seeking to reveal Himself to you and to your family and to the whole community the way that He did with Zacchaeus. I hope for you and for me and for all of us and all, the, all who we represent that we'll have the courage to respond to Him the way that Zacchaeus compels us to respond to Him, to open ourselves up to Him, to not think about the risk, to, to just think about the trade-off of having all of Jesus animating us, to have all of the Godhead dwelling in us and empowering us to do works that will set us free and will set many other people free through our proclamation and the love that we share with one another and with the world around us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.